Hi, this is Steve, co-host of The Art Box. Before we get to our episode today, let's have a word from our sponsor, the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Hi, my name is Chris Petrior. I'm with the Virgin Valley Artists Association, and I've been volunteering for them for many years. I served as president, past president, and I've been on the board of director for probably seven years. I wanted to share with you a little bit about what the Virgin Valley Artists Association is all about. We're a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we are run totally by volunteers. We maintain the Mesquite Fine Arts Center, which has now become the Mesquite Fine Arts Campus, where we offer free programs to children, teens, and adults. We also offer many types of art classes, ranging from all types of brush art, drawing art, three-dimensional art, which would include pottery, jewelry, and earth elements, and even junk art. We have a different competition and exhibition every month, which awards ribbons as well as monetary prizes. We also have space for our artists who are not participating in our monthly exhibition to display their work. And we have a gift shop where our artists can sell their art. We offer bi-monthly and often weekly paint and pour parties on Friday evenings. These are one of our major fundraisers. People get to paint a painting, they get to have a couple of glasses of wine or beer, and just have a good old time. We're coming up on our 20th anniversary in September, and we're planning a big celebration for that. We're also getting ready to have our annual Witches Ball. Aside from all of this, we have acquired three new buildings for our campus a new pottery studio, an additional classroom, and a student store where art students can purchase their supplies, hopefully at a lower cost than retail. But all this takes people, people who love and appreciate art and want to let the art spread throughout the community. The Virgin Valley Artists Association needs volunteers. We can use help in all areas, from accounting, secretarial, front desk, people to pour at our paint and pour parties. We need people to help us design and furnish our new buildings. And we need people to do workshops, help us plan and help us set up our fundraising events. If you wanna see this community grow in the arts for all ages and all age groups, please contact Chris at C-P-I-C-I-O-R-V-V-A-A at gmail.com or call 435-229-9964. Or you can stop in at the gallery and leave a message for Chris at the front desk. I hope to see a bunch of you come in and offer your services. Thank you for listening. see trees of green, red roses too, I see them bloom for me and you, and I think to myself. Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, The Art Box.
get to know you. Hi, Steve. Hey, Linda. How are you doing today? Great. Hi, Mayor Littman. Good afternoon. We're so glad you're here to Thank talk you. with us again about the city, your life, and anything else you want to talk about. Well, I don't know. You can lead off, I guess. Uh, it just, everything is so exciting lately. The city, particularly, there's so much going on. Every time I turn around, there's a new construction project. It, it just keeps us rolling constantly. There's something new every day, and that's what I like. It looks like the firehouses. They're making some movement over there. October 5th, 10 a.m., will be the grand opening, ribbon cutting, whatever you want to call it, of the dirt, so to speak. We'll have shovels in the ground. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, and we we walked over to the library today for lunch, and we noticed that they had the tele, the electric poles there to raise the. Yeah, there. Well, that'll be for, that, that's temporary. You know, that'll be for construction. Yeah. Recently, we had Burton and Ann Weiss visiting with us, and Burton was telling us about all the new housing here for people working at the can factory and um, other places in Mesquite and how important that is to have that for our workers. Oh, yeah. We're, we're about 1,600 uh, units behind right now mm-hmm. uh, where we should be. There's a new project just started up uh, by Mesa View Hospital. So I think a little over 200 units are going in. Uh, it should be somewhat in the workforce area, but it's really hard to define what workforce housing is nowadays mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. cost of living the way it is. Well, and I see the the apartment buildings on Hafen going up. Oh yeah, uh, changing every time I drive back. <laughs> That's no, you know Nevada Rural Housing Authority, so th- that'll be a tiered structure as far as being able to move in mm-hmm. and pay rent. I think it's sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety, a hundred, something like that, based on income. Okay. Uh, and. Uh, that's that's the first phase. There's another phase going in on that property, too. Wow. To be a lot of units when it's completed. I would imagine they'll be occupied mm-hmm. very quickly. Uh, some some units were just built, not not of that nature, but right over by the new bank uh, that went up. It's, it's just amazing. Uh, they were rented out, I think, before they were all finished. Wow. They were all set, yeah. I'm not surprised. Uh, yeah. And then there is some speculation that the new RV park by Sunset Greens will have people living there. Is is that correct, or is there a time limit of how there long they is, can stay? There is a time limit on mm-hmm. that. I believe it's 90 days in the state of Nevada, but I'm not positive. Okay. Uh, it, but it would be quite expensive to stay there a long period of time. It's not going to be a just jump-in, very inexpensive place. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's just starting now. There's another phase coming there. They'll have a swimming pool. They'll have pickleball courts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of a resort place where people are going to pull in with, I would imagine, rather nice rigs, mm-hmm. uh, stay a few days, stay a week, whatever they, whatever arrangements they make, move on to somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. I noticed they have all the trees planted. Yeah, they got that. There's a lot of work left to, you know, mm-hmm. left to do, obviously. But again, that's you know, that's a private development, and uh, it'll be very successful. We just need places for people. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, over the last 18, uh, almost 19. Well, I've been here 19 years now. We've grown about 30 percent in population, but about 20 percent or 15, 20 percent in housing. That's not enough. So every year we fall a little further behind in the number of units available. Steve and I were recently talking about the tragedy in Hawaii and the difficulty people had with getting out of the town and the rescue plans and disaster preparedness. 
could you tell us a little bit about how mesquite is prepared for any type of disaster? Uh, I'm working on that right now. Yeah, we have a complete disaster plan. Mm -hmm. Everything is ready to go. The right people know how to be contacted. The hardest part is getting the information out to the general public. But we have something called Nixel. And you put the app on your phone, and you'll be alerted virtually any disaster taking place or emergency in the city. Now, I wrote an article the other day, and I said, yeah, I know. And somebody's going to say, well, I don't have a smartphone. What do I do? Well, it'll be on the Internet. And the next question is, well, power is going to be out. I'm not going to have an Internet either. That's where the problem comes in in a small town. Okay. And uh, I'll be talking with the chief. We're meeting on this. And they're meeting all the time on emergency preparedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've prepared a complete manual. And, of course, again, a manual does you no good if you haven't read the manual and you can't follow through with the manual. They're updating it constantly. We're going to be meeting again. They meet the city means police chief, fire chief, Overton Power, the water company, all the, all the things that be a part of what could take place. We're a little bit like Hawaii. We're an island. Mm-hmm. You know, we you look, are. You look around us, and there isn't anything there to speak of. We're in that same situation. Uh, our our plus is it's easier to get out of Mesquite. But then again, a lot of people don't know even how to get out of Mesquite. Which way should I go? I-15 is closed for whatever reason. In 2014, we closed down I-15 because of flooding down the road. It was blocked off with, with gravel and rocks and all this stuff. Fortunately, there was nothing going on the other direction at that time in the gorge. But you could get caught in mesquite, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had problems at both ends Oh yeah, at over t- these at, last at, couple of years. Yeah, at times, it's, it's like, how do you get out of here if you got to go somewhere? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, even, I'll be talking about in my next article that I'm writing about the need to have a full tank of gas. One of the things that happened in Maui, because I know this is, is factual, is people ran out of gas waiting to try to get out. And it was three, four hours and motors running, of course, and you run out of gasoline. Now you're trapped in your car between cars, and all you can do is get out and run. That's that's part of the disaster. We talk about Lahaina. You know people in Lahaina. You know people who are missing. You live there. So maybe you'd like sure. to give our listeners a little bit of an idea of what they may not hear on the, the major news. Well, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really tough. Yeah. We were there part-time for six years and then moved over and stayed 10 years full-time before we moved here. And our address was Lahaina, Maui. So we knew a lot of people over the years there. Uh, Again, a lot of them moved away to the mainland because they got older. Uh, Some of them passed away, but I knew a number of them that are still there. We've made a few calls and uh, I was able to get the answer phone of one person up in Kula, Kula being up in the high mountain area, which also had a serious fire. And even there, they estimate a half a billion dollars in damage, but no no deaths that they're aware of, which is really good. That is good. Yeah. Uh, as, as far as Lahaina goes, it'll be like 9-11, I think, in many cases. They're just not going to find the people. Uh, hopefully, it's not a huge number. You know, they put out a list the other day of 388 people that were still missing. And the list was really circulated all over the place. And people did start calling in and said, wait, wait a minute, I, I'm here. I'm, I'm at my cousin's house on the other side of the island someplace, or I'm at the hotel. And I didn't know that I was listed as missing. So I'm assuming that list is going to come down uh, at least 50% or more from that. Yeah, let's hope. But still, there are a lot of children are missing. And that's, that's the most serious uh, thing right sure. now. Sure. 
Going back to Mesquite, first of all, will you spell the name of that app that you were talking about? Uh, Nixel is uh, N-I-X-L-E. N-I-X-L-E. Okay, thank you. And that's you. an emergency warning app. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to have a radio station out of Bunkerville, and that's not operating. Uh, for whatever reason. So the fire chief is working on that. We'd like to take control of that because you could broadcast on radio. If there's an emergency, this is what you do. Sure. So again, we're in many ways, we're very, very isolated. One thing Steve and I have talked about is that where I came from in the Midwest, there were outer roads all over next to the highway. So if there was a blockage on a highway, you could still go to your destination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here... It's more concerning because there aren't any outer roads. No, there are not. There are just a lot of issues. And we, you know, I keep my fingers crossed every day that we'll never have a disaster. I was also uh, involved with the 1994 earthquake in Los Angeles, the Northridge quake, which I was living in the epicenter. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know, you get in these, in these situations. And I was very fortunate. My wife and I were up in the Sacramento area that weekend. And the minute I heard about it, I made plane reservations to come back. And I, I remember we came back. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They couldn't land at Burbank Airport where we were coming in at, for a while until they could check the runway because there were cracks. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to have an accident with a plane coming in. And I remember I had to drive all the way across the, through the San Fernando Valley. Not one traffic light was operating. And, you know, the traffic yeah. in Los Angeles even then was unbelievably bad yeah. people had to get out of their cars and direct traffic for other people and then hop back in their car it was interesting i don't think la had a particular disaster plan at the time and place mm. never thinking they'd get an earthquake of that magnitude i didn't have one at home really uh, we had no power no water luckily we had a neighbor that was very astute and we had natural gas in all our houses he went around turning off gas lines because the air just reeked of natural gas. It was an explosion waiting to happen because there were fires all over the place, luckily not in my neighborhood. But I wasn't prepared even. We had food in the house. Of course, by the time we got home, it was already starting to spoil because there was no power. We had no running water. It was difficult. That's part of what I'm going to be talking about and, and hoping that everybody that, that listens gets a preparedness kit available so that if something happens, at least they can... Hey, I've got my water, I've got my medication, I've got my eyeglasses mm-hmm. and things like that. Because in Hawaii, the folks didn't get a chance. So people left with only whatever was on their back. Uh, if they could grab the, the cat or the dog, fortunately they did. But you're not going to take the time to start looking around the house, make sure you've got your medications or this, yeah. that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Good plan. Good idea. Do you want to talk about the STEAM Center? Because we're in the STEAM Center today in our studio. Thank you very much for being a sponsor. I love the STEAM Center. Uh, The minute I knew that I could spend American Rescue Funds, uh, I said, "Uh uh-huh, let's spend some on the STEAM Center real fast before somebody else says, hey, we want that money too. And uh, I told George, if if, as we come to the end of the American Rescue Funds, it has to be spent by the end of 2024. If there's money left over, I plan on, on really promoting it to come back more of it into the STEAM Center. This is great for the kids. They're not getting it in the public schools. There's no doubt about it. You know, I was in education for many years, and I know how the schools operate, and not the way I would like to see them go. But yeah. I had a long conversation. I was down at the Clark County School District office a couple of weeks ago and met with Jara 
And um, he's frustrated, of course, too. You, you get pressure on every end. We want more money. We want raises. We want this. We want that. We want smaller classrooms. And then I, the question was asked, so you get smaller classrooms. Doesn't it take more teachers? And the answer is yes. Do you have more teachers? The answer is no. Yeah, it's it's a rough situation. Yeah, so hopefully this team center will will provide this, a supplement. This is going to be the enrichment that, that children are not getting in the public. That's schools. a good word. Yeah, it's, it's enrichment to their lives. And in when I was a teacher, the kids who got this enrichment were in the gifted program, and now yeah. every child has access. And every to child that. should every child should have that opportunity. Yes. Uh, you know, especially you know, some kids may not be academically real sharp. But they sure know other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of reminds me of a, a very short story. Uh, I was running a program for the mildly mentally retarded, and it was uh, high school age kids. And uh, somebody offered to give me a, I don't know, it was a desk or something or another that I had to put on top of my car to get out of this place. And this kid was a really big kid. He was about 16, but he was big. You know, and I needed, I needed a muscle. And I said, would you help me? And he was one of my students. And he, he said, sure. And we got there, and we had some rope. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, how am I going to put this on and drive back to the school with it or the office, wherever I was going with it? And he looked at me, and he said, you know, I said, he said, I can't read, but I know how to hook that up. And he <laughs> he set it up perfectly so that it was balanced on the vehicle, you know, and everything else. And, and uh he said, see, you don't have to be real smart. You know, he was smart enough to know that he wasn't smart, uh, but he knew what he was doing. What a great yeah. story. Yeah. He ended up, by the way, he ended up to be a um, manager, installer of chain link fences for a company. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, Perfect. Uh, <laughs> they'd need them for a big construction job or something. He knew how to set up everything. And I don't think he could do more than sign his name. But. He didn't have any problem with that. He was making a good living. Excellent. But it's great that someone like that didn't fall through the crack that you have nothing to give, go away. Everybody has something to give, believe me. What else do you want to talk about? I can talk I can ask about the house on the corner. Oh. What house West, on the corner? If you, if you, it's the house on the corner. If you follow, if you follow the uh, the thread on, on next door? next door mosquito or something, oh. good grief! Um, that's why you know I, I sometimes hate to respond, but then I think you know what? I've got to respond to some of this stuff. <laughs> so it was purchased to be a bike shop, coffee shop, mm-hmm. and great guy. Uh, Mike's a great guy, but I think he should have done a full inspection of this property first uh, because the roof is just plain. It was rotten, to put it bluntly. So it's down. Um, it'll be rebuilt, um, hopefully not too long, and have it done right. It's a 103-year-old building. It was very deteriorated. And uh, at least I know it was at least 103 years old, maybe older than that. But it'll building building will go up. It is not on the National Historic Register, as, as people were saying. We we had our own little plaque up, Mesquite Historical, whatever. But it's not historical. Otherwise, you couldn't touch it. Or if you did, it would have to look exactly the same as what it did before, which it won't. It'll be rebuilt. Yeah, the rumors are fine. 
and then Wes was in here the other day, and I asked him, and he gave me the scoop. So, yeah, I told my wife, don't read the neighborhood. I love that you are so personable. I've never lived in a town where the mayor's at the gym and he talks to you and says, "Hi, how are you doing? How's your day going?" and you respond to people on next door. I just so appreciate that, well, thank Mr. You. Mayor. Well, these are my neighbors. This is, you know, this is my home. And uh, and I felt the same way when I lived in uh, Lahaina. Mm-hmm. These were my neighbors, my friends. You go to the market, you couldn't get out without seeing 20 people that you knew. It's a small. It was a small town. Los Angeles, when I lived there uh, 30 years, that was another world. You, know, you didn't know anybody, and nobody knew you, and, and it's just the way it was. Uh, it wasn't terribly personal. But, well, I'd uh, love to read yeah. your answers on next door because everybody always counts on, where's the mayor? The mayor will respond and... <laughs> And this one's for the mayor. This one's for the mayor. And some of them I look at and I say, I have no idea what they're talking about. Uh-huh. Not, not a clue. You know, a lot of things, for instance, construction uh, can start on a project, but they don't need a special permit necessarily, mm-hmm. conditional use. Uh, they don't, they're not getting a liquor license. They're not going into gaming. So it never comes before the city council or the mayor. It mm-hmm. goes to the building department. They pay for their permits, and they go ahead and they do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving by and I'll see something. I'll say, when did that start? Or I see, I had one the other day. Uh, they want to know about, uh, and I think it's coming here. At least we think so. Uh, little Caesars pizza. Oh. So somebody said, where's the Little Caesars pizza going? I said, last I heard it was out of business, which was years ago. Mm-hmm. And it said, oh, no, it's coming to Mesquite. So I had to go to the business department and say, we're getting Little Caesars? Oh, yeah, they filed for a permit. You know, oh. where? Uh, over by the brickyard. Oh, okay. You know. Huh. So this goes on all the time. Restaurants, small businesses, we don't know about them necessarily. Yeah, Linda's pointing at me because she knows I've been running the rumor about Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's is is coming. Yeah. Yeah, they they have applied. I told you, Linda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're going to go into the, uh, at one time it was Blockbuster Video. Oh, is that what that was there? It's on the corner. Yeah, when we first moved here, that was a Blockbuster yeah, maybe for a couple of years, and then it closed. And I think it's been pretty much empty all this time. Yeah. So I'm a little too young to remember Blockbuster Video, but my older partner here. <laughs> I loved Blockbuster. Okay, Mayor, so here's the big question. When are we getting a Trader Joe's? <laughs> uh, probably I do. never. I'm just teasing you. Yeah. Because that's all everybody asks. But that's there's an exceptionally best. strong rumor, and I wouldn't doubt it that it, that they're not going to open. They'll open up in St. George. Uh, oh. They have been looking at St. George mm-hmm. carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. George is in the demographic zone that they want. There's 196,000 people in Washington County. Trader Joe's likes to operate in around the 200,000 mark per, really? per store. Wow. Uh, the income level there is what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And the education level, believe it or not, because really? yeah, uh, mm-hmm. of people. This is they, you know, they do their shopping carefully too. Their mm-hmm. demographics have to be a certain way. Sure. So even though they wouldn't be able to sell alcohol, they have one in, in uh, right outside of uh, Salt Lake City, and it's doing extremely well. And they don't sell mm-hmm. alcohol. Mm-hmm. So do you have a humorous May oral story for us? Uh, humorous? Yeah, nothing special really. Every day is humorous. There's something something taking place. There's always something to smile about. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, the latest rumor, by the way, and I had, I had to, well, it was humorous. Somebody said to me, and very seriously, uh, we're getting an Albertsons. 
And I said, we are? <laughs> yeah. And I said, and where's it going? It's going in Sun City. I said, in somebody's backyard? And I said, there's <laughs> no property in Sun City for a market, and it's not zoned commercial in any shape, form whatsoever. Oh, but I heard. <laughs> and I think what brought that about, you know, I, so I thought, where did they get this idea from? Well, currently, Albertsons is negotiating to merge with Kroger Markets. Oh. And Smith's oh. is a Kroger market. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a slim possibility maybe that won't be called Smith's. It would be called Albertsons. I don't know. But, but the state's looking at it as, as, you know, like an antitrust thing right now. So I don't know if it'll ever happen. But I, th I thought was, when they said it's going into Sun City, I thought that's got to be the best one yet. You know? you know, I think you and I heard that a grocery store was going up there somewhere. One of our guests mentioned that. I, I don't know what guest. Did, but, <laughs> but we won't tell Al the guest's name. No. Maybe I dreamed that. Well, you know, and somebody else asked me, well, isn't there, you know, a vacant lot? I said, supermarket needs a little more than a vacant lot. Mm -hmm. You know, how about the acre parking lot? And uh, supermarkets don't normally build standalone markets. They're in complexes of some kind, uh, shopping centers. So the chances are going into Sun City are pretty slim. I was uh, going to ask what he sees for his future and the future of Mesquite. <laughs> My future? Well, let's see. At this age, <laughs> I plan on sticking around a long time. Good. I am hopefully going to be the mayor for the next five years and uh, because there's another term coming, and I fully plan on, on running again. Oh, excellent. So, That's good news. I don't let age hold me back whatsoever uh, because I don't think I'm old, although other people may think so, but I don't. And uh, the future for Mesquite, I think we're going to grow at a nice, steady I think a moderately slow pace, and that's what I like. You know, when a place grows too quick, all the problems come with it. And uh, so you've got to keep it moderate so that uh, everything is kind of in balance in life. If we have the housing, we'll get more younger people coming, if we get more, or staying, as the case may be. And it's a balance that we need to be successful. You have a pretty demanding job for your time and your energy. What do you do to relax? I cook. I love cooking. Really? Yeah, yeah. I got home this morning, uh, let's see, at 11.30, and by 12, I had a peach pie in the oven. Colorado. You make pies? Sure do. Went up to Colorado. Wow. Well, we went up to uh, Santa Clara and I bought mm -hmm. Colorado peaches. We didn't go to Colorado this year. It was, it was a lousy weather day and everything, and we were going to go up for a few days, and it, eh, Forget it this year. And, uh, so we're, we're going on Wednesday to Grand Junction in Paradise well, that's where I to know, get peaches. That's where I, I usually go to Grand Junction. We, we go right into uh, the little, we have a particular one that we used to go to up there, a grower, and bring them back. So this time I thought, well, all right, we'll go to Santa Clara. They're Colorado peaches right, right out of uh, the Grand Junction area, so brought them back, so made a peach. Wow, that's impressive because you didn't even open a can of peaches you may you cut I mean, them up yourself and yep. wow and, and, and this afternoon i'll be uh believe it or not canning peaches oh my gosh yeah, all the jars are already set uh -huh. up everything's sterilized everything's uh -huh. ready to go wow so i'll put up this afternoon i'll put up uh maybe 12 quarts of peaches today. oh my gosh uh, i'm impressed yeah we know who will be teaching the culinary course at the steam center there next you go year. I, I, cooking has always been a kind of a stress relief for me mm -hmm. you know i like that What's your favorite meal or recipe to make? 
other than pies? Well, I, I do about everything. Tonight we're having a, a real good beef stew that I made, you know, vegetables and so forth. I just like cooking in general. I like Italian cooking, do a lot of that. Excellent. Yeah, a little Chinese cooking, a little of everything. Yeah. So when you and Phyllis were dating, she knew right away this was the guy. <coughs> he cooks. What? <laughs> uh, probably not, but uh, uh, I met Phyllis when she was 15 years old. Really? Yeah, and I was uh, just turning 17. Uh-huh. So, yeah, actually, I was cooking uh, a lot. My parents worked long, long hours. They'd come home, and they were tired. Sure. So... Being a high school kid, you know, plenty of time on your hands. Mm-hmm. I'd have the dinner on the uh, on the table for them when they came home. Oh, that's uh, wonderful! So my mother showed me a lot of things on how to cook, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it worked. You know, so they didn't have to come home from. They'd get home from work at seven o'clock at night or something like oh, that. They really? Were, yeah, they were young, but they were tired. Sure. It was long days. This was in California. Minnesota. Oh, Min- Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're from Minnesota. Yeah, the land of ice and snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out of Duluth, Minnesota. It's about 100. For those that don't know, it about 140 miles from the Canadian border. Very, very pretty in the summer if they have a summer, which is rare, and not very pretty in the winter, as far as I'm concerned. My folks were from La Crosse, Wisconsin. I know. Not quite as north, I but I remember all the snow and ice. Yeah. Yeah, I know La Crosse. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's a nice part of the country, but you look at population growth and you don't see it back there. It's the other direction. It gets smaller. All of those are smaller and smaller every year. It's just a tough life. Mm-hmm. Everybody moves away. There's less demand for snow shovels. Yeah. So we won't see be seeing the snow shovel factory move into here anytime soon. Probably not. Yeah. No. Probably not. So you and Phyllis met each other when you were fairly young. Mm-hmm. So how many years have you been married now? 58. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's a long time. Yeah. Not too many of my friends have made 58, so mm-hmm. we'll, you know, we'll look at the 60s and the 70s. We had friends that were married over 70 years. Really? So, yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Amazing. Your your work took you from Minnesota to, thinking you said you were in Hawaii? No, I graduated the University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. and uh, I knew I wasn't going to stay in Minnesota. It just, it was too cold, and, you know, you'd see... Uh, well, I, the prime example is I was it was forty some below in Duluth, and the snow was up to you know the top of our doors, and I was watching the Rose Bowl game uh, in California, and there were people sitting there with no shirts on, <laughs> and I didn't want to even walk out of the house at forty below zero, uh-huh. and uh, I said you know this this has got to be a better life somewhere, <laughs> uh, and then there was a, a young man that we had an airbase in our town, and a young man came to town to the high school and his father was at the airbase there and they were from San Diego and he was telling me about surfing and the water and I'm thinking what am I doing here mm-hmm. so I, I graduated college I believe I didn't go to the I didn't go to the graduation ceremony I think it was a Friday and on Saturday morning I was heading to California and I stopped in Mesquite to stay overnight in 1965 mm-hmm. yeah, which was an interesting there was nothing here to speak of in 1965. There's probably 1,200 people at top end. Mm-hmm. And they just headed off to California and spent 30 years there, literally. Wow. Yeah. And you served in Vietnam. Thank you yeah. for your service. You're welcome. Yeah, that was, that was another <laughs> was an interesting experience. We weren't going to get married right away. And uh, I, I said to Phyllis, I, I'm losing my deferment from college. 
I think we better speed up the process. And they were not drafting married men. Mm-hmm. This was early 1965. But I said, you know what? Let's not take a chance. If we we're married, they won't bother us. So we got married in Las Vegas. And uh, on a Saturday, on Sunday, we were there. We came home on Monday, and the draft notice was in the mail. <laughs> oh, my goodness. In the mailbox. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, greetings. And, uh, okay. Do you remember your number? Uh, I was drafted before they had a draft uh, uh, oh. lottery. Oh, uh, okay. They did not have one in 19. Yeah, that was my days. Yeah. Yeah, because oh. I was the first group with the lottery numbers. Yeah. No, I remember watching it. This was pre-lottery. And how long were you in Vietnam then? I was there a year. A year? Oh. And and were you? I was with the 1st Air Cavalry Artillery. And I was trained to be a field artillery fire direction specialist, which means you had to figure out which way to fire the cannons, so to speak. I did very, very little of that because I had a college degree. Pretty much they said, well, we can use you in some other categories. So I did a lot of personnel, but I was in the, you know, in the fire zone mm-hmm. uh, throughout the, the 12 months I was there. I used to do a lot of courier stuff where I'd take, I had a secret clearance. Uh, they, they awarded me that. So I was able to fly up to the landing zones with documents and stuff because they didn't want to put it on the radio. Everything was... I mean, anybody could listen to anything. Mm-hmm. So if it was an important document, I would jump on the helicopter and fly it up to the LZ. And, you know, it, it's a lot of interesting stories, you know. Sounds like another podcast. You and yeah. some other veterans sometime can get on. The one thing I won't do is fly in a helicopter ever again, though. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's, I didn't like them then, and I don't like them now. I've had many opportunities to go in helicopters, and I'm thinking, No. Uh, I saw too many of them fall down. Oh, really? Yeah, and when they fall down, they fall down like a rock. They don't mm-hmm. coast. They fall down. Mm-hmm. I said, uh-uh. Yeah, and the one I was in, they used to shoot through the, uh, they'd shoot through the bottom of it you know, yeah. when you're coming in. So I learned, oh, I learned yeah. to sit on a flak vest to protect my behind. But it's been fun. It's been, it's been a unbelievably interesting ride things the things we've you know my my wife says the same thing gee we've done a lot of stuff and i said yeah we still got a lot more to do we yeah and and that's what i liked the very first time we talked that because i have a thing about people who enjoy their job i had careers where i enjoyed going to work every day i can tell you the days i didn't there was two days in my entire career that i didn't go to want want to go to work so and that's you that's what you told me. You enjoy going to work. Yep. I always have. I, I loved when I was teaching school. Uh, I loved when I had my automotive business. Uh, get up in the morning, get something to do. Uh, now I get up in, you know, I get up in the morning, of course, I go teach my spin class in the mornings. And I look forward to that every day. You know, it's like, what do you mean I can't go to the, for the gym because it's closed this week. Mm-hmm. What do you mean I can't go to the gym? What am I going to do after my spin class? Uh, uh, I just like to keep really busy. Yeah. And actually, we, we have Nick coming in at 2 o'clock. Nick, ah. um, he was sending out, he sends out an email with all this stuff. Oh, yeah. I said, would you like to do a monthly podcast? And he said, yes, so he's coming in at 2 o'clock. And we'll, we'll talk with him. And the whole thing about I'm really interested in community radio, as they are here, and you're talking about the 95.1, and I know I'd 
love to get community radio going here. We need it desperately. You know, we had a little community radio here. When I first moved here, uh, uh, Cindy Delaney, uh, who later became on city council, I don't know if you know Cindy, has been a resident here many years, uh, and Jean Watkins, I don't know if you I know, know Jean, Jean. <laughs> yeah, from the Women's Center, and they had a little radio station. They were, they were broadcasting on Sand Hill, right over, I think, one of the rooms where like Jensen Properties is in there, on that end of the building, because uh, they interviewed me for something. This has got to be 16, 17 years ago, and uh, it was fun. It was in the morning. It was very informal. It was like a podcast, really, mm-hmm. and uh, they stopped it, and I'm not too sure why. Yeah, I heard the same. I think Burton told us, or Ann told us, that they had the radio station. Yeah. And Jean was doing that? Yeah. Oh, Jean is like, and she's a dear friend of ours, but she told us to get her on the podcast again. We'll be kicking and screaming. <laughs> and I didn't know she did that, so she's got no reason. Yeah, she, right. yeah, she did that with, uh, with uh, Cindy Delaney. They were kind of like co-hosts mm-hmm. in the morning. Hmm. Uh, I think that's where I first met Jean uh, when that was taking place. And, uh, Wait till next time I see Jean. Yeah, we learn something all the time. Well, Jean's a lady of Jean's a lady of multi talent. She is. She's, she's just a kick. Yes, you know she started at uh, the senior Ms. Mesquite uh, pageant way back when. Uh, I think my wife was uh, second runner up or first runner. I don't know. One of those way back. I think about 2006 or seven uh, in our earlier days in Mesquite. And, uh, I don't know where all the days have gone, but they, they sure fly. Yeah, they fly, but each one of them flies, yeah. for the most part, with a laugh Gene was so, and a smile. Gene was so funny. We did a—I uh, um, was, I was the uh, MC uh, for Senior Ms. Mesquite in the, in the old theater building. And, uh, you know, you're in the corner there where they set the microphone up by the steps. And Gene and I were kind of co-hosting it. And there's barely enough room for one person to stand there. Otherwise, you're, you, know, you think you're going to fall off the stage on the corner. And Jean came on, and she had this really big, ruffly dress, you know. <laughs> so it took up a lot of space. Jean didn't, but the dress did. And every time I turned, I think, I'm going to fall off. You know, this is, <laughs> you know, I've got the microphone. I'm going to be on the ground, you know. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it was funny. Yeah. So, yeah, every day is a good day. So, so, Al, what has inspired you this week? What's inspired me this week? Of course, the week just started. Uh, I don't know. I, I just look forward to every day. There's, there's something to do. I know that. Uh, I, I'm bored on the weekends a lot of times because what are we going to do today? What are we going to do? You know, I get a little nervous. You uh, can always check next door. <laughs> That'll keep you busy. Yeah, yeah. Or... or uh, I, what I've been doing lately, and I, I'm going to do some writing about it, you know, I want my citizens and my residents here to, to be, number one, safe, mm-hmm. uh, and number two, not to get scammed constantly. And so I read these scams on Facebook now, and they are so funny. And I want to, I'll talk about some of those in one of my articles coming up, uh, the ads that are coming out. And, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond is an example. They went out of business. We know mm-hmm. that. They're bankrupt. So there's ads coming on for Bed Bath and uh, Beyond items. It'll be a, like a $200 air fryer for $399. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Uh, I saw one the other day, somebody selling electric bikes for $49.99 brand new. No, they're not. You know. 
So, you know, you give them your credit card and you don't see the bike and, you know, that's it. Your credit cards are used all over the place. Mm -hmm. It's it's nonstop. So I'm going to be doing a lot of talking about that, just making people aware. Uh, and the Medicare scams that are going on uh, constantly. So they're charging elect very fancy equipment to people that they look. They don't look at the statements. You know, they just, it's paid by the insurance company, thousands of dollars. And this is, but but I find out about that by seeing that on next door that somebody got scammed. You know, and uh, it's constant, unfortunately. That's, the way the way of the world. It's the way of the world. Wow. Yeah. I got. A, I was like, I got a phone call a couple months ago. Uh, hello, Grandpa. You know, and I, th- and I so I said yes. Uh, Grandpa, I'm in trouble. I need I need money now. I'm in jail, and, and he tells me some far off place. And I said, that's that's good, son. I'll, I'll, grandson, I'll, I'll take good care of you. Goodbye. I don't have any grandkids, <laughs> you know, but that's neat. but people fall for it. Mm-hmm. You know, this. Well, this, the AI now they say they can mimic the voices. That yep. Sound just yeah. like your grandchildren. So. And that happened to somebody recently, and the um, it was the gentleman answered the phone, and he was really alarmed. And his wife got on her cell phone and called the child, who was okay, so they knew it was a scam. I thought that was really interesting. Well, I have to be aware. You got me talk thinking AI again. AI, it is AI. Yeah. yeah. Artificial intelligence. Yeah. It's forget it. Yeah. It's, I don't know which direction this is going to go, but I'm not too sure it's the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, especially when you can mimic somebody's voice. You can do anything you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the last Indiana Jones movie, I remember my wife was saying, boy, Harrison Ford looks young. Well, they used AI for the earlier scenes of Harrison Ford. They used AI to put in his face oh, yeah. in every frame, his younger face in every frame. Yeah, they, well... They Photoshop everything, and you know whether it's. I, I don't understand all the technology of it, but that was that was another scam I just saw the other day. You know, you can buy these gummies, and take two before you go to bed, and within a matter of a couple of weeks, you'll be a new person. You'll lose 50, 60 pounds, hundred pounds, whatever the case may be. So they show this picture of this man that's probably five hundred pounds mm-hmm. without a shirt on. This is mm-hmm. massive person. And next to him, they show the same guy. He's all muscle cut. He's about 175 pounds. And it only took a month. You know? So he lost like 350 pounds in a month, which is very interesting, and became all muscular. And you look at the face, and you look, it is the same face. They were able to transpose it. Yeah. You know, make it thinner, obviously, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but transpose it just perfectly onto this other body. Well, I heard, I heard that's really true. I read it on Next Door <laughs> <laughs> that you could lose 175 pounds in a month. Yeah. Listen, I, there was a, a guy I used to work out with the gym years ago here, and he'd always come up with something or another that was interesting. And I'd say, How did you know that? I read it on the internet, and it's got to be true. Mayor Littman, we thank you so much for getting taking the time today to talk with us and share a little bit more of your personal life and your oh, absolutely. story uh, absolutely. with you and Phyllis and also your your uh, plans for Mesquite and your future. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, I guess Mesquite definitely has a future. No doubt about it. Absolutely. It's one of the, the 
best places to live. I think it is. It's clean, it's safe, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And it has fantastic people. I, th I think so. People are lovely here. Just lovely. Thank you again for your service in, in Vietnam and also your service to our community. Well, thank you. Thank you. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association. <laughs>